Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Post 20 Podcast. My name is Evan. I'm joined as always by my faithful co-host Matt. What's going on, Matt? What's up, everybody? Nice chill Friday here. Nice little day off. Got to sleep in a little bit. Um, and we've got a whole whole week of a lot of major storylines, huge wins in the Prem and so forth. We're going to get into that, but I know Evan wanted to touch on some other stuff before that. Yeah, um, I just kind of wanted to go over my current situation, how the week went for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm two weeks into the semester now. It is by far the most unreasonable and ridiculous workload and course schedule I've ever had. So only three of the classes have actual Zoom meetings, right? So I only have yeah. to be in the Zoom for three of the classes. However, the amount of work in those three classes, coupled with the fact that I have to be in the Zoom meetings paying attention to the lectures, is unreal. I mean, I'm doing nearly 40 pages 40 pages of original analysis per week I'm writing on top of a novel. It's a short novel that I have to write for one of my creative writing classes. And I just don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know why I'm in school. It seems like a complete waste of time at this point. I mean, you said it uh, before we, before we started the episode, but professors, their job has gotten easier Whereas as the student, our job has gotten harder. And last semester, it wasn't like this. It was it was fairly easy, actually. And I think professors were like, oh, you know, let's take it easy on the kids. This is quite an adjustment. But, you know, four months in, in between that semester and this semester, it's not four months. It was a month, by the way, actually. So I don't know why I said four. Um, that doesn't that doesn't make things any easier on us. I mean, sh- this shit is fucking brutal. And the amount of work is just, it's through the roof for ev- every student that I've talked to, whether they be in my program or a different program or even at a different school. So um, if you're a student right now and you're getting absolutely hammered by work, my thoughts are with you. I may be at that point where I just fucking drop out. Uh, who knows? I don't, we'll see. We're going to see how the next two weeks go. But uh, I, I just... I don't know. It's brutal. I have no time to do anything. Like I, I can't even get up and go to the gym in the morning and get a good workout in. I, I would so much rather just be working, doing whatever the fuck. I don't need a degree. You know what I mean? Like you don't need a degree to do the job you're doing, right? No, that was that was kind of going to be my next question. Like for myself, um, like I went for a sports management degree, yeah. and at a time I was looking at a minor too, but I just dropped that because <clears> I couldn't be bothered, and then um. I mean, I enjoyed what what I was learning because it was a mixture between the business sides of sports with um, whether you're in the front office or like uh, I interned with a, our local high school athletic director. Like I like that side, uh, the side of that major. And then on the other side, you could do uh, the. I mean, my general major was kinesiology and mm-hmm. there were two like branches. You had sports management and then you had exercise science. So early on, like I was doing like learning the body, like the origins and insertions of muscles. And the, the biggest thing of that major was it came down to like a 20 to 30 page um, research paper on a single movement in an athletic movement. So 
Mine was a backhand swing in racquetball. So you had to break down the whole motion, the the different angles, and like you had to like go into like trigonometry and all this stuff. And it, it was insane for one movement to come out to be 30 pages is so much. And you're saying you got to do like 40 pages a week of research writing and all that. I was going to ask you like, I mean, you already answered it. Like, how can you do like the creative stuff like that you enjoy afterwards? Like, you can't. With the, yeah, with the show, like, I don't know if there's like, like so-called writer's block or like a creative block and then like you use um exercising and lifting and that as a stress reliever so there's all different ways i don't know i guess it comes down to the individual and how much you want it like you're already seeing that there's not really um uh what's the word there's not like after this after the degree it's going to leapfrog you into something you want to do like i just went into the post office because it was just here, local. Like I don't see yeah, myself you need a leaving job. the area. I need a job right now, and I don't see myself leaving with what I'm doing with soccer training. This, uh, the show with you and me, like being local here, we can do in person content. Like there's a lot of things I can see with this in particular that we can grow. And like I don't see anything major happening for a couple years, but right now we're le- we're laying the groundwork yeah. for something that can turn into something that. It's even better, but right now what it is, like we we enjoy it because we talk about stuff we love and it's a creative outlet. So I mean there's a whole lot to unwrap there, but I just I can understand where you're coming from with what you're saying. Yeah, it, it is brutal. But like the writer's block thing that you said, that's that's certainly that's certainly a problem I have. It's hard to do that that hard line analysis and research and then just shut that part of your brain off and and move to something else whether it be writing for this show or trying to formulate my my notes or thoughts for this show um or like like obviously you saw i had to take a break from wake up wednesday because it's just it, it it's extra and i i just don't have time for extra right now I'm, I'm trying to keep myself as level as i can and like when when you're all jammed up and your and your brain is like just firing on all cylinders at all times because it has to be, it's hard. It's it's really hard to unwind. Um, so I don't know. It's really cold here too. That's that's the other thing. Like I, I tweeted the other day, it's so fucking cold. I can't even go outside and like sit on the deck, have a coffee, decompress, try and get my work done. Like you know, in in the in the spring when it starts to get towards May. And starts to get warm, um, and everything speeds up. I find that I speed up and my work speeds up. So I'm just kind of holding on hope until then. Uh, hopefully things start to like smooth out. But it's definitely been rough. And and like I said earlier, if you're a student and you're going through this type of shit, then uh, my thoughts go out to you. I still have yep. a whole. I still have a whole another semester. Well, it's not a whole semester. It's it's a capstone course and like. Uh, high level elective but yeah uh, once that hits like i'll tell you from mine it was pretty simple yeah i know i know that once yeah, i hit yeah. that i'll just check like i already know i'll just check out that's what's gonna happen yeah you'll you'll go through the motions but it, it'll be pretty much over this is like the last trial for you and i would say just as a piece of advice just take it one day at a time because i'm looking back to some hard days like with that project i mentioned with other stuff like you say you don't work well in groups and like little things can happen with people. And I mean, just one day at a time, one assignment at a time and just look to the end, like you'll get a degree and maybe in the end that could be in, could come into your favor. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what mine's going to do right now because 
with the post office, I could ride this out for 25, 30 years, retire at like 50, 55, and then be good, and then do something on the side. And who yeah. knows, like, this might take off in a way, or I might be getting more and more um, licensing and coaching and do higher levels of soccer coaching. Right. So there's a lot of different things. You just got to take it one day at a time. And what, like you said, once you get out, just start making that money and you can turn things into what you want. Yeah. And I'm a hustler, man. I like to grind. That's just how I'm wired. And even this right now is, is kind of burning me down to that point where I don't want to grind. And that's how I know that something's up. So we'll see if, if I need to make a change or not. I know that when it comes down to it, it's really only 12 more weeks of grind. I can do 12 weeks of grind. And this, and then really I can forget about it and, and just yep. move on to the next semester. Well, there's a whole summer in between. So hopefully it's a good summer. Hopefully all the corona bullshit's gone. And yeah, that, help. that's an aspect of it that I didn't even bring up. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that has such an effect on everyone. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, but that's that's what's going on with my life. This it truly is my only platform to vent, so that's why uh, I like to talk about it on here. But uh, but we'll move past that and we'll move on to something more important: the Premier League fixtures of uh, well, it was midweek really. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about them and then we will move on to the next match week. All right, so we'll start off with Sheffield United two. West Brom won. Kind of a shitty game. I mean, from start to finish, watching little bits of it, because I was I was driving and like when I could just look at the game, it's just Sheffield controlled the entire game. Yeah. Um I know in the previous episode we talked about their matchup against City and I said they looked like this the Sheffield of last year that finished in ninth place. Like they are showing resilience at the back. Their structure is looking a lot better. They've been on a good run recently. Three wins in the last five in the league. And I know mm-hmm. they got a couple wins in the in the League Cup and that, whatever. Or the FA Cup, I should say. But um, yeah, West Brom bringing in those four signings. I know all of them didn't play. They had that new um, ND and guy or whatever his name is. Yeah. But he's like a big bulky striker mm-hmm. to link up with Robinson or robson canu but it just didn't work out for the day for them yeah and sheffield pulled through i knew i know west brom got the early lead yeah with matt phillips it was kind of scuffed uh ramsdale could have done better with the deflection save but um sheffield showed their grit uh john fleck had a great day in the middle and um it eventually turned out in their favor i, I think they like i mean you said this six seven weeks ago you think sheffield can get out of this yeah and i think out of the three teams in the releg- the relegation zone. I think they have the best chance. Even though they're in the bottom, they're on 11 points, whereas Fulham's on 14. But I think out of all of them, they have the best shot to get out. Well, that's the thing. You said that they did look more structured. And in this in this league, it is truly all about momentum. You're, you're watching City carry an 11-game win streak right now because of, I would say, mostly momentum. They're missing a ton of players, and look how they're playing. And if Sheffield can continue to string wins or draws along then you're right they do have the best chance of of getting out of uh getting out of the relegation zone and i i perhaps was a bit early with <laughs> with my assessment i did i did call it a, a while ago but um yeah i think i think that's actually a really a really good point they they're getting guys that aren't necessarily on the score sheet onto the score sheet so if if it's a collective team effort and they can manage to string a couple more wins together 
and get themselves, you know, maybe even just above Fulham, I think that that's a massive confidence boost. And I think when you get towards the end of the season, and you see this with a lot of teams, that we have to stay up uh, mentality really does improve the way that they play. So I think Sheffield are definitely a team to keep your eye on. And especially if, if you're a better, they are typically very, very uh, undervalued. Like, that, their odds are always amazing. So keep your the eye only, out. The only problem I have to say is their next couple matches, they play Chelsea this week, and then they have to play West Ham, and then they have a big matchup against Fulham. Yeah. Um, but another thing is they need luck from the teams above, and it's not coming right now because Brighton is in good form. Newcastle look okay. And Burnley's hit or miss, but that they have eleven points to catch up on, so they need a lot of things to go in their way while also getting results. Yeah, but I th- I think that it'll be uh, it's an interesting thing to keep your eye on. Uh, it's like an interesting you know saga, the Sheffield saga. So uh, we will have to see. West Brom really not looking so great, huh? It seems like Big Sam may be uh maybe in jeopardy. Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean. The was it? What is West Brom have conceded twenty six goals in their last nine games under Big Sam? <laughs> That's horrendous. That is horrible. It's insane. It's three goals a game almost, man. That's terrible. You're giving up two to Sheffield, who's bad. Uh, the previous week you're giving two up to Fulham, and then the week before you're giving up five to City. It's like it's just leaky, leaky, leaky. I don't know how you can get consistency at training with that in mind that you're averaging three goals a game against. It's just, it's very tough mentally. I mean, this is the best time right now because they're playing, uh, they play Tottenham this weekend. This is probably the best time to play in, if I have to say. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I they're definitely going down. I know in the preseason, I thought they'd finish like 17th, but I do not see them staying up. They they need guys to step up now, and I don't see that going for them in the attack. Well, they're like mega disjointed. We talked about the structure that Sheffield has and has kind of maintained even when they weren't looking their best. West Brom is just very disjointed. We we saw in the first week that Big Sam came in that they played with some defensive structure, but that's only because he threw everyone into the fucking 18. That's the only reason that it looked like that. It's it's not necessarily even a park the bus because you've seen him you you've seen him continue to try to do that and it doesn't quite work like it did in those first couple of weeks. So that that's disjointedness and just failure really to ever get off the ground in the first place, I think is is gonna be West Brom's downfall. And yeah. uh who knows, maybe they'll be back up in a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, them and Norwich are like the most up and down teams. I think the stat was they've been up or they've switched leagues nine out of the last twenty years or something. Yeah, I mean that's and it's when you do that, the hardest part is if you don't hit the ground running when you come up like Leicester did, right? Leicester is, is an example of a team that got very lucky. The circumstances were very fortunate for them. They had good players. They were able to move good players, make money, and then obviously make money off of coming up as well. So that sets you up for a good financial situation. When you are going up and down and up and down and up and down, and the amount of money you're getting as a club TV money or league money or whatever it is, is changing rapidly. It's hard to set yourself into a concrete financial situation. And I think that's that's a large part of what you see with West Brom, with Norwich, and then what you saw with teams in the early 2000s with Blackburn Rovers. They were they were a huge club. They were actually a, a club that used to contend in, in like the 90s. They, they won the league one year. 
So I see Matt <laughs> telling somebody to leave. Um, but yeah, that's 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 a part of of the game, unfortunately, the the financial side. So we uh, we shall see. Let us move on. We talked so much about Sheffield West Brom. Okay, so our, the Arsenal Wolves game. Arsenal should have won the game. It was stolen. It was thieved. Yeah. It was thieved by the referee. Um, I forget what his name is. I'm gonna find it. Well, I know Southampton came out and said they don't want specific refs for them in the next couple matches. I'm sure Arsenal's gonna put out the same thing. Let me find. Uh, the... This Wolves got the double on Arsenal this year. Both finished two to one, but both games it wasn't. They weren't clean games. In the first matchup, you had. The big head collision with David Luiz and Raul Jimenez, yeah. which gave, gave them motivation to go on and win the game. And then in this game, you had two red cards that were... I mean, the first one was bullshit. Leno's was just a misjudgment. I don't yeah, know what that, he was doing. That's, that's a red card every time, unfortunately. By the way, the ref's name is Craig Paulson. Fuck you, Craig Paulson. All my homies hate Craig Paulson. Dude, when you tweeted out, I think you said something about getting that man assassinated. <laughs> I said this ref should be shot. And I think he probably <laughs> still should be. I mean, it was it was a it was thievery. Yeah, I don't understand how you can send a car. Uh, you can send a call to VAR. You send it to VAR. You show me. You show me the viewer the VAR where David Luiz doesn't touch him, and then you let the pen happen and you uphold the red card. I just. We, I know we've talked about VAR a hundred times. I know that sometimes it works out in your team's favor. Sometimes it works against your team. That's just the nature of VAR. But this was disgusting. It was yeah. obscene. Arsenal had five, six clear chances in the first half. They looked the sharpest offensively that I've seen them play in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, Saka hit the post and, and Pepe hit the bar. And then eventually Pepe scored. Oh. But well, Saka scored in like the third minute, but Lacazette was offside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course, VAR. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that win would have taken you above Tottenham. Yeah, I know. It would have taken us above Tottenham, and Chelsea would still be a point ahead, right? Two. If Chelsea would be a point ahead if they won, because they did win. You're five behind Chelsea right now, so if you would have won, you would have been two behind. You'd two, be two behind. eighth right now. Okay, yeah. Um, You're still in it. I mean... Yeah, I know. They could still finish towards the top. Wolves needed that win so bad because that was their was it that was their first win in nine in their last nine games in the league. The their last win came against Chelsea mid December. But like they have been playing so bad and needed that sort of luck to break for them to get out of that form. I mean, it wasn't deserved. Like we keep saying, no, it was it was such a bullshit win. But I mean, they were in a downward spiral heading to the relegation battle zone. I know. I mean, they still could be, but I don't know. I think that the addition of William Jose, uh, aside Fuck from the William dive... Fuck Jose. I, I, I'm saying aside from the dive in that, I think he adds like a whole new dimension to yeah, he does. similar to what Jimenez did. He's that big like target man that can hold up the play. Yep. He's a guy you can target on crosses. He seems very... Um, natural in the air winning headers um i mean i saw it from the first game when the what was it they played i think it was last week yeah Did they played last week I don't was it palace was it palace I saw, sorry yeah they lost one nil to palace he yeah. had like three great chances 
I I picked him up instantly on fantasy. I was like, this guy adds something different to what they've been missing. And I mean, on the fantasy app, they credit him for assist. I, I in real life, I don't think they give the person who earned no, the penalty assist. Yeah, that's like a fantasy thing. But it's just he adds something so different to them that they've been needing. That I think they can carry this on. But for Arsenal's sake, this is their first loss in a since, while. Yeah, in a while, and. You guys gave up just as many goals as you have in that run. So, I mean, I think Arsenal's still in good form. Obviously, two, two red cards will never do you good. And <laughs> I think that game is is a, a flop. Like, you can just completely throw that one away. I don't credit that to their form. There's nothing you can do there. But, I mean, you come up against Aston Villa this week. Should be interesting. And then the following week, you got Leeds. So, this is the run where Arsenal need to really come together. Mikel's got to bring the boys say, guys, let's forget about that last game. We need to focus on the next one and try to push into this Europe, the European competitions. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe fucking 69-year-old Jao Moutinho scored an absolute screamer either. It, it made me sick, dude. When I saw him when I saw him bring the ball up to the 18, I was like, yep, dude, see you. This game's ending 2-1. And, yeah. and he fucking ripped it. I just... The stats, I don't think, tell the whole story either here. Shots no. on target is three. I mean, I saw, I, I saw at least fucking six. Uh, the ones that hit the post and the crossbar, I don't think count as shots on target. Yeah. So, so that's uh, that's that's the, the story there. Just an unfortunate loss. It kind of made me sad because I thought after that first half, and I, well, here's what I will say: when I saw William Jose moving into the into this around the six. And I saw David Luiz behind him. I was like, oh, yeah, here goes David Luiz reaching into his tragic bag to pull out one of his fucking horrible mm-hmm. tricks and get us a red here. And then he did, but I-, I thought it was a red when I initially saw the tackle. But then they brought it to VAR, and he pulled out. Yeah. I, I-, I understand if you want to give a pen, maybe, but I don't think you can give a red because there's no intent. And... I don't know. I guess it comes down to rules, and it it's ultimately the ref's decision, but I just think that was a poor choice, and the FA need to be having a talking to Craig Paulson because he, I think he was paid. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move on. Manchester United, nine. Southampton, nil. This is the cr- craziest game I've ever seen. Like, craziest game I've seen all season. It was scuffed. You are you are correct. Another red card in this game. In the... Second minute. Second minute, Jankowitz got a red. Um, Unreal. Just, just a sus red. Very sus red. And then... Or no, it was Bednarek's red that was sus, actually. Yeah, in the 86th. I mean, yeah. the damage was already done. It was already 7 nothing. But, I mean, that 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 Genuix guy is like a youngster, I think, he came in. I think that was his first start the season. It's just, what are you doing, man? Like, you're never going to have... You're never going to get the, the faith in the manager back from that. Yeah, I just... Uh, I have no idea how you let 9 pass you. I just everything everything that was touched in that box went in the goal. It's horrible. I mean, you are letting absolute fucking dork score on you. You're letting Daniel James score. You're letting a team have 24 shots on you while you only register 3. Southampton are not a bad team. They are defensively so solid. Of course the red really hurts, right? But yeah. but letting 9 past you behind a 
a Manchester United team that isn't that potent in front of the goal. No. Just just bad scenes, bad business. That's going yeah, to hurt Southampton was, for weeks. Oh, my God, yeah. The goal differential is insane. But also, like, it was tough to see the likes of, like, Danny Ings not be able to fully contribute to the game how they want in the attacking end. They, they only had one shot on goal that's credited on here. But yeah. it's tough having to defend the entire game and not get anything going forward so you have no creative outlet you're just constantly getting barreled down and like man you worked the ball well they worked the ball to the wings getting crosses in i think seven of the nine goals were all from crosses into the box and for little tappins which is how like man city like to play too yep. they whip it out wide and then they'll get the little drag back for tappins which was most of them but you had one you had one come out of the box McTominay put away and then you had the penalty from bruno it was an all-around good game for Man U. This, they really took this game and just went with it, and it really helps in the goal differential battle. They're only seven behind Man City now, whereas at the beginning of the week they were 14 behind. Yeah. So in the title race scheme of things, it's good for them. Right now they lead the league now with 46 goals scored. Uh, I, it's not – I don't – they, I mean, they have nine against Southampton, and then that's they have the thing. Six, it's not six in, against Leeds. Right, it's not indicative of their actual play, and and that's like, that's the point that I want to make too. After you're done, mm-hmm, you're good. Um, this is not indicative of who this Manchester United team is, and I don't want anyone to think that because that's going to mislead you when you when you go to place your bets. This Manchester United team is very beatable. You watch them just draw nil nil to to an Arsenal team that could hardly get anything going. That they are they are still pretenders, and I want everybody to know that, and I want everybody to understand that Ali still doesn't know what he's doing. Um, just be cautious when you when you go to put them in a slip, because any given week they can fucking slip and fuck you up. Yeah, and they come up against a solid Everton side. Everton's plus five hundred right now outright. Amazing, amazing line. It is at Old Trafford, but that that's, hasn't seemed to have been anything in the past with They're Arsenal worse. coming there and getting points and yeah. Sheffield getting points at Old Trafford the previous week. So they are beatable at home. Uh, I think this Everton side can do it. We'll talk about it more when we get to that. But yeah, I think I agree with your point that this game doesn't represent the full picture of who they are. I think the consistency in the back is still an issue with uh, Ollie's selection. They they really, 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 really need somebody back there with Maguire that plays week in without because he keeps switching Lindelof by Juan Zebe like every three games he gives somebody new in there. And it seems like Luke Shaw is turning out to be a better player in the left back than their new signing Tellez. I don't know whether that's him having to get used to the league. I know that's been a problem with the Chelsea guys and with some other players in the league, but he hasn't been getting a consistent run in there and Luke Shaw's really held down his spot. Uh, I don't know what you think of that, but I, their defense is where their championship run lays. Oh, 100%. Um, what is it? Off, offense sells tickets. And what is it? I think it's someone that was like, defense wins championships. Yeah, and that's that's the truth. Um, you see that pretty much in, in all sports, but especially especially in soccer. And I just... I don't know what the situation is with Tellez. I can't really tell you. I think he's very talented, and I think at some point he actually will find his way to this team. Luke Shaw is not, not going to be like the answer forever. He's really not in good shape, and I don't understand how he's performing at the level that he is. It's kind of an anomaly. Um, you, you've seen him before, and you know what he's actually capable of. He's just overperforming right now. 
And I got you. And um, I saw the other day. If you ever go on Manchester United Twitter, it is actually the most deluded place in the world. <laughs> the, the the fans are so deluded, dude. It's insane. Someone was like, somebody had a poll. I don't know if it was a troll or not, but they are so deluded that I have a feeling it wasn't a troll. It said best best uh fucking best fullback of all time. It said it said Danny Alves, um Marcelo, Roberto Carlos, and Luke Shaw. <laughs> I was just fucking. They they truly think a lot of people I've seen made the make the argument that he's the he's the best half uh, fullback in um, the Prem this season. I that's just unbelievable. Look at give it to him that he's playing better than uh, Robertson and Trent. Oh yeah, he is. But I think Lucadinha has played better than than all three of them, and he's only played maybe three quarters of the game. The game's yeah, I give I give him Joe Cancelo. Yeah. Um. Even Aaron Cresswell for West Ham. That guy's yeah. been bad. He's got like eight assists this year. Yeah, he's been great. And honestly, even some of the like the guys on Leicester, uh, I mean, they kind of play like a wingback role a little I bit. I think if Tyreek, I think Tyreek Lamptey was healthy, like he's been out for so long for Brighton that I think yeah. he'd be up there. Yeah. Um. So that I the, all of those guys for me, all those guys you just listed are above uh, are above fucking Luke Shaw for me. Yeah, you just see it as a short term run for him. Yeah, hundred percent. His his fitness won't allow him to be uh, a mainstay in that United team. Yeah. He'll he'll get an he'll get an injury and and be done because he gets yeah. fatter every time he gets an injury. Yeah, he's had trouble. Like he had a broken leg and mm-hmm. he's had other issues too. So I yeah. mean, for his sake, I hope it continues. But yeah. I think realistically, uh, this weekend and the next couple matches might be uh, eye opener for him for sure. Uh, moving on, Newcastle one, Crystal Palace two. Newcastle came out in this game looking pretty good. First minute, Fraser whips a ball into Callum Wilson, who's in great form. Hold-up play was nice, and Big Johnjo up top hitting a dagger. Yep. The Newcastle controlled it early, then you had Palace get into it. This Palace team, with their so attackers... Yeah, it is hit or miss, but I think with that Roy Hodgson has figured something else with, figured something out with uh, the mixture of Zaha and Eze, and then IU and Batshuayi as supporters. And I think the biggest thing for them going right now is their fullbacks with Van Anholt and Klein. They're more dynamic, uh, athletic fullbacks, whereas you have Joel Ward and uh, who else do they have? That... Tyreek Mitchell's done pretty well there, too, at left back. I think yeah. He's a very young Englishman out there. He could do it, but Van, Anholt, Van Anholt's more experienced and can get the job done, but these two playing right now will really add something to their attack. And their most informed player right now is Eze, not even Zaha. Yeah. It's, it's Eze. Eze, and, Eze gives you a creativity that you're not, you're even not going to get from Zaha. It's just because of he, he's young and he sees the game differently. He's added so much more to this team where everybody's watching Zaha. You got to watch out for this kid from yeah. QPR. So, I mean, they, they got the win. I think they deserved it. Um, even though Newcastle controlled the possession in that and the chances, but Crystal Palace know when to strike, and they capitalize on it. Even Gary Cahill scored, which yeah. is off a corner. The he ghost, lost his man. The ghost of Gary Cahill. Yeah, but pa- Palace is looking okay. We we keep saying their form, their run of form is inconsistent. Uh, they lost two games, and now they're on a two-game win streak. Uh, they're, I think they're going to finish in that mid-table based on that form. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think of it? Um, 
I really don't have I don't have a ton to say. Um, Palace are just inconsistent, and yeah. while they are, I do think that they're pretty clinical. And and when they get a nice build up and and get the ball right where they are aiming to get it, and you know, it, it falls for them. Then usually, if they can get one, they can continue and, and hold the lead. I think that their de- their defense is actually solid. You just said Van Enholt is is certainly a player that is. I wouldn't even say he's playing above his caliber. I think he's just coming into his own. And and the more you can rely on your defense, I know we said this about the last game too, the better. And you, you're giving guys like like Eze the chance to to develop and, and bud and some of that youthful creativity that you have as, as a young player coming up in um, lower leagues sometimes does carry over and translate into your first year in the Prem. And I think you're seeing that with Eze and, and it's, Great that Zaha and and Bats are like gaining, you know, um, gaining service from that. So yeah, Palace are a really hard team to to bet on. Extremely hard because they are yeah. so inconsistent. And like I'll pick Palace to win one week, pick them to draw the next week, pick them to lose the week after that, and each time they'll give me an opposite result. That's just 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 how they are. Um, saw a stat a stat it said palace uh, this is the first time they won back-to-back league games this year since the first two matches of the season so yeah, exactly and they did look good they looked really good at the beginning so maybe this will be a, a turning point for them maybe they will manage to get themselves further up in that table but i think just like you said um they'll be finishing middle of the pack this year as they typically always do okay moving on oh also newcastle just flat, really, after the first goal. Very, very flat. And that that has something to do with throwing so many players into the back. Like, you're, they're playing four in the back, and then just right above it, they're they're playing Hendrick, Hayden, and Shelby because, well, Shelby has no pace, so he kind of has to play back there. Yeah, um, they, lack, they lack speed. They just have, they, they really have nothing. And in, in ways of creativity, you're relying on just Miguel Almiron, and, and he's not really enough. I think they just need more. All right. Um, next game was Burnley Man City. City scored two on Burnley, who did not even register a shot on target. Yeah, the um, Burnley have failed to register a single shot on target in their last two games. Brutal. Uh, it says it's the first so- side to do so in consistent in consecutive matches since Everton in 2018. Uh, they had probably the hardest. Two games, I would say, out of any team this season, back to back, coming up against a resurged Chelsea side, and then you come up against an absolute oil factory of Man City. Um, very, very tough for Sean Dice to get anything out of the game. I mean, we're seeing the rise of or the rebirth of Jesus, two yeah. and two. Um, Fernand Torres has had a part in that, and so has the other guys, but um. I, their most informed guy right now is Ilkay Gundogan. He's looking like the he's looking like his t- uh, the player back at Dortmund when he was very young, like yeah. he, very goal like attack minded in front of the box, like getting a lot of chances. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's just um, it's just when will City lose? Not even that. It's like mm-hmm. when they, when are they going to concede in goal? I think <laughs> they have. Will six they lose? Or, I think they they have six or seven straight clean sheets this year. Are currently right now. Yeah, I mean, City are just able to throw 
so much forward. Rodri has the capability to get forward and push up while continuing to stay central. And then you have Bernardo Silva playing. They're playing with midfielders and wings. So it's it's like that, like that FIFA formation where you can just get everything forward. And if you're playing with pacey guys, like you have you have Moraes who still's got a bit of pace. You have Silva who's pretty quick. You have Sterling on the left, and then Jesus up top. Those four guys are really quick. And and when when balls are getting lobbed in, and and Jesus is getting good service, then it's. It, it, it's really hard to mark both Jesus, the two wingers, Silva who's cutting in, and then guys like Gunawan are getting left unmarked. And yeah, it's, and it's he's... It's tough. tough. He, he's really been... He's had a career resurgence, I'd say. And, and when he first came in to that City team, Pep didn't play him much, and I don't think Pep had a lot of no. confidence in him. But now it's, he's, a, he's a mainstay. I can't imagine what this City team would be playing like without him. He's, he's provided so much for them. Good for Gundogan. I mean, I've, yeah. I've always thought he was a good player. I've rated him. Yeah. When he first came in there, you, uh, Fernandinho was in his prime, and you still had David Silva. Yep. Um, I think Yaya Torre was at the very end of his career, and you had a couple other guys in and out of the team. But I think we're seeing the last of that old-school Man City team from 2012-2013 start to fade out. Yeah. You have Fernandinho, who doesn't play much anymore, and Kyle Walker's not in there much. I don't know whether it's his injury or whatever. but Injury and I think behavior, too. Yeah, so like you're starting to see the next next generation of City step up with Jesus, Fernand Torres, um, Foden. Those guys are like your next generation players. Yeah, and the main guys right now you have Sterling up there. Uh, Mares doesn't start as much. He's inconsistent. He doesn't get consistent game time. Which I think if he didn't play at City, he'd be like at Leicester. He'd play yeah. every single week. He'd For probably sure. have a, at least ten goals and ten assists. He'd have like a Harry Kane year right now, but yeah. Due to the depth of that Man City team, I know a lot of people like to say Chelsea on paper have the best team, but Man City just have the experience and confidence in themselves that any guy who plays in that team is going to put up a great performance. You have even like Zinchenko at left back who does a great job. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play at left back he, uh, this week. Laporte played back there out of position. He's typically uh, a center back, but... Yeah, and he can't even get to the side now because of Ruben right. Diaz and John Stones, which is tough because he was their big signing before yeah. Diaz was back there. They thought he was the guy that would solve their goal problem, and well, it's, yeah. it's Diaz. I mean, they put they paid a fuck ton for John Stones. They paid a fuck ton for Laporte. They paid a fuck ton for Ruben Diaz, but Ruben Diaz was the cheapest, and he's been the best. He he has absolutely transformed the city defense. I mean, they are locked down. He's he's the yeah. signing of the season. I, I looked at the stats the other day. I don't even know if it's a question. You think he's the signing of the season? Yeah, they lead the league with only thirteen against, where the nearest team is twenty-two, which is Arsenal. Yeah, so just shocking I mean, because our yeah. defense is horrid. Yeah, and City still have a game in hand over the all the teams five back from them, so they they yeah. could be six points in the clear. They. I mean, at this pace right now, with Manu inconsistencies, Leicester's inconsistency, Liverpool. Uh, I mean, right now in that top six, Chelsea is like your highest stock team moving up, but they could win this thing by April. Yeah, I think that's that's probably where they're headed. I think that's the pace that they're on, and I mean, I know that the the betting odds for a City to win the league are like 
It's like one and four. Yeah, they're already like minus two fifty or some shit like that. If, if so. you took them back in October or November, you're laughing when they were in like tenth. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's been such a, a crazy run of form for them, and it's wild to see how, like just a couple weeks in a row. If you get a good uh, a good string of games, it can propel you so far forward. If other teams slip, um, all right, Fulham nil, Leicester City two. I. James Justin scored in the 44th. I said a couple weeks ago that James Justin was dog shit. Not a couple weeks ago. Ten weeks ago. I was wrong. Yeah, you were checking that statement here. These guys, these young guys, Unger and Justin, are very, very good. The first couple weeks, it wasn't great for them. I think they were just getting used to playing in this in this side and the tempo that they play in this side. Right. But these guys are really good. And I'm the, the loss of Vardy, I don't think, is hindering Leicester as much as I may have I mean, predicted. Your boy Inacho stepped up now that Perez didn't do the job. Up I know. And so it's great to see that these young guys are stepping up and, and making Leicester um, threatening, even though they're missing their, their lead guy. Vardy's like the, the heart and soul of the team, as well as the, the, the scorer. So... Um, it's been great. Unfortunately, Fulham not really getting it done, not really looking as sharp as I thought that they may. I, I thought that this was one of those games where maybe you'd see Fulham at least get get a couple shots on, or maybe even a goal. But Leicester dealt with them clinically, two nil. It's a good result for them. Yeah, I think Fulham's a well-rounded side for the standard of what they are, like yeah. the talent they have. I think Scott Parker puts out a decent side. I mean, they come out in a 3-4-3 three, three, or sometimes a 5-2-3. Like, um, Ola Aina does well in the back. He's like their big bulky guy who clears everything away, and they have that uh, Tosin Adebayo on loan from City. He does well. Just the problem is in the final third. They just can't get that final ball in there to where they can put clear chances on goal. And even when that happens, they don't have the guys up front that put them away week in and week out. Like, Mitrovic is inconsistent. Uh, Lookman's very young. Loftus-Cheek on loan from Chelsea. He can't get the job done right now. And even the guys off their bench, like they just can't get consistent goals in every week. They just struggle, and that's probably why they're going to be down in that battle for the rest of the season. But on the Leicester side, James Madison stepped up. Oh, he's so uh, good, isn't he? Yeah, he's done really well. He'll probably he'll probably get a nice contract extension because everybody's going to want to sign him and steal him away. So he's going to get a big pay boost this year, probably. Um, and Didi hasn't been playing recently with injury. And speaking of that, Suyinchen, like their main center back's Sorry, back now. Sure, yeah. yeah, he's back now with Evans in there. Um, they were playing a Marty in the back there at times and some other people, but. The, yeah, James Justin is a very good young fullback who bombs up the field. He kind of reminds me of Reese James in a way. Yep, a little bit. Mm-hmm. He does very well, and even Harvey Barnes. So, I mean, Leicester's, Leicester's on the up. We, we we discredit them to finish in the top four with our prediction, midseason prediction, but it'll be interesting to see with Chelsea climbing back up there and you'd like to say Liverpool in there. So it's going to be a battle to the end to see who grabs those top four spots. Yes, we shall see. Leeds United versus Everton was the next game. 
Everton getting out by the skin of their teeth. They escape yeah. ever. Uh, they escape Leeds. So Everton did score the first two goals. It wasn't until the 48th when Rafinha got one back for for Leeds. But Leeds are a team that once they score, you know things start to open up for them. So. I think that this was a very narrow escape for Everton. I think that they're very lucky to have gotten three points from this, especially because I think Leeds outplayed them. Yeah, it's always tough to hold Leeds to just one goal. It's just very dynamic going forward with all their options. And I think their biggest downfall is uh, their biggest downfall is defending set pieces. They've conceded 17 goals via set pieces, the most of any side, and this includes penalties. So they have a real big problem when crosses are coming in the box, corners, free kicks. They just can't match up well, man to man, and that's what they're known for. Is Bielsa's everybody guards their man, you stick to that man, and that's your job. They don't do like zone, like passing guys off. It's like that's your job. Yeah. So. And it's very turns out to be very exciting. It's turned out to be very exciting soccer. It's very open. Anything can happen, and that's why they're probably the most entertaining team to watch this year yeah. up there with Man City. Yeah, uh, sixteen shots for Leeds, seven on uh, target versus Everton's ten and six on on target, and Leeds outpossessed them. So Leeds are starting yep. to play a more, I would say, possession based style. It's not as counter attacking as it was earlier on in the season. You start to see the counter get ripped out more when they're playing teams that are of a lower caliber, but they, they do adapt to the, to the teams that are, are further up and, and play a more organized style. So that adaptation, I think is what you're looking for in a, in a team that is looking to make themselves a mainstay in the prem. And yeah, leads continuing to impress me, continuing to, uh, continuing to, I guess, stay on my, my, my list of people to watch out for. It's just unfortunate for them that they couldn't get the win here. Everton, Everton needed that too. So, yes. All right. We shall move on to the next. Aston Villa one, West Ham three. This might have been my favorite game of the week. Yeah, West Ham bouncing back after that tough Liverpool loss. Uh, the bit, the the rising of Jesse Lingard, the return of Lingard, Lingardinho. I just can't believe it, dude. I cannot believe that in his debut, he scored two goals. Two goals for the big man. I mean, they were both... Uh, Fabianski on the second definitely should have saved it, but the first yeah. one he got a hand to, and that one definitely should have went in. And uh, even another big story is Suchek gets on the board again. I think he he leads this the, the Premier League in goals for midfielders, excluding penalties, because yeah, Bruno, Bruno beats him out on there. But from open play, he leads the league in goals in midfield. So very, very, very good business from David Moyes and West Ham. They get guys like him and Kufal for very cheaply that eventually they'll probably turn over to be $40, $50 million sales yeah. in the future, which will really help the club. But right now it's helping them. I mean, they sit fifth. Uh, Aston Villa is a tough team to handle like that. They held them pretty well, They holding them in only two shots on goal to their 10 and they were out possessed. I mean, it could have been it could have been four one. You had Mikel Antonio chip Martinez and Mings laid all six six of himself out to clear crazy, off the line. It? <laughs> yeah, he put his body on the line showing why he loves the club and he, he's a dedicated player, but yeah. They were they were just outclassed here. I mean, now that Lingard's in there, 
You have Ben Rama, who does well. They signed him fully uh, off his loan to buy just because they had to, based off Lingard's loan. And Jared Bowen didn't play in this game, so now they have some depth off the bench to give them attacking options. So they have a really, really good team moving forward. Yeah, uh, sorry, I just got an email from a professor, of course. Um, yeah, they, they, yeah, just Jesus Christ, dude. They do have a really good team moving forward, and I think Lingard actually does add an element of creativity in their attack. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't going to ever make a mark in that United team, considering they have so many attacking options. And really, you just can't you you can't justify starting Lingard over uh, Bruno at any point. It's just it's just not uh-huh. something you can justify. So. It's nice to see that he's uh, he maybe will get the chance to move on here. I'm glad that he's providing something to West Ham and West Ham are a budding side, so it's it's kind of uh, one of those things where it's mutual uh, symbiosis. You know, they're they're both getting something from from that move. It's maybe a little disappointing uh, for Aston Villa here. I thought that they would do better. I didn't know if West Ham would win or Villa would win. I think I predicted a draw, maybe. So yeah, you took a draw. Yeah, I, picked, I, I think I picked Villa to win. Yeah, I don't. I don't really think either of us were thinking West Ham would be the team to pull away. But Suchek continuing to prove why he's one of the best midfielders in the Prem this season. I hope he can continue that form. I know we've said it before. We're kind of both big fans of the way he plays and and himself as a player. So it, I'm hoping and, that uh, he continues to play like this. Yeah, and one thing for Aston Villa to note: um, ever since I called out Ollie Watkins for slacking. In his last four games, he has three goals. Yeah. So, uh, very interesting to see from him. I don't know if he listens or not, but he must. He he he's gonna have to prove it again against Arsenal this weekend. So. No, I hope he doesn't listen this week. <laughs> I'm praying that he doesn't listen this week. Uh, this is this upcoming week where Arsenal play Villa. It's, it's the type of game they will lose. By the way, like they they'll get slaughtered. But I'm still gonna bet on them. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Fucking pure comedy this game. Liverpool nil, Brighton one. Liverpool struggling with injuries continually. It's kind of a, a shame to see them slip because of the injuries, and I think that's really what it is. But it does cause me immense pleasure to see them lose, especially to a team that is named the Seagulls. I yeah, just love Liverpool. it. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool have lost consecutive home games for the first time since September 2012 after their unbeaten home record of 68 matches yeah I, it's funny because it's the team two teams you wouldn't even expect you have burnley and then uh brighton yeah like both one nil right yeah and like those teams you'd think it'd be like a man U and an arsenal or something but nah it's like i mean pep's come out and said in past interviews saying that graham potter's the best english manager right now in the prem giving him a lot of credit to how he structures that brighton team with with the little amount of talent he has there, yeah. he does very well um, with that depleted strike force. Danny Welbeck was picked up, and now he's been gone the past three months. I don't know what happened to him. He scored like two goals and then just stopped playing. Yeah, but um, I mean okay. their whole team, their whole team is built around their defenders. They have Lewis uh, Dunk, their captain, centerpiece. Uh, Webster does well commanding in the back line, and then they also have Ben White, who's. I think they got him full time from Arsenal, right? Or am yeah. I wrong? No, I yeah. think I think Ben White was an Arsenal guy. Let's check. 
Yeah, he they had him on loan, or Leeds had him on loan last year in the championship, and then they couldn't get him back, and Brighton jumped on him, keeping him, or getting him from them. So that's a great pickup. So, I mean, all around, they, they, they're a solid team. Nothing crazy. It's like a very structured, well, like they're put together kind of how West Ham are, just very built to the system, and it works out for them in their favor. Yeah. Oh, actually, here you go. He was uh, a Southampton youth product, and then he was on loan at, uh, well, he went to Brighton. They bought him. Then he was on loan at Newport, then Peterborough United, and then Leeds. So some, some okay. small clubs. Um, but yeah, great performance, really, from, from that Brighton unit. Like you said, Grand Potter doing a lot with very little. He doesn't have a ton of creativity. He really relies on Sully March, uh, Leandro Trossard, and then kind of uh, what's that? And and Mopai yeah. really, yeah, to, to score because he's not necessarily a super creative player. Uh, they play that weird three at the back, and then like five in a straight line across the midfield, and yeah. and kind of rely on on those midfielders to do what they can, even though they're not necessarily very pacey. So it, it was an interesting game. It's just. It's it's unfortunate for Liverpool to to lose here. Uh, I don't think that you have any reason to lose to a Brighton team like this when you're st- when you still have two of the best fullbacks in the league, and 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 three fantastic midfielders. You have Thiago, you have uh, Wijnaldum, and you have Milner. Those guys you, are very experienced. Do you think them not getting involved in the attack as much is due to? A lack of confidence in their center backs yes. not covering them. Yes, I do. I, I think that you know they're they're relying on Phillips and they're relying on Henderson, who's playing out of position, and that's that's certainly an issue for the attackers because I think that they're worried that they're not going to have that strength at the back. Van Dyke is just such a presence on the pitch, even with just his size, not necessarily his play, and he is a leader. So when you're losing when you're losing him and then you're losing Joe Gomez who is a budding star and you're losing Matip, I mean they're just so decimated at the back and Allison didn't play in this game either. You had that Calmin Kelleher kid, the Irish kid, uh who is kind of suspect I would say. He's young, he's just not ready yet. So I still don't th- I still don't think they have an excuse though because Firmino's top class and so- and and Salah is top class like it was the second match in a row. Mane didn't play. Right. I don't know what's going on with him. I think he has some sort of um, thigh injury, maybe something like that. So I think they rest him in this game because of the upcoming match they have. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, but yeah, disappointing from Liverpool. It's great to see that they're just absolutely fading into obscurity, like Tottenham is. Uh, there, there's a kid in one of my group chats that like he's like, I can't wait for. For Liverpool to win the UCL in the Prem next year, I said, "Dude, you literally just started watching, and you picked Liverpool to be your team. You have no fucking idea. You have no <laughs> clue what this sport is. You don't know how quickly shit can turn bad. One week can be the difference between a team winning the winning the league and finishing mid table. It's insane. There's there's not this level of parity in any other sport in the entire world. Not the NFL, not the MLB, not the NBA. It does not matter. Anyone can beat anyone in this fucking league. Yeah, I was talking to uh, a guy I work with, co-worker at the post office. He, he said he started watching uh, a year ago. He started. He wanted to pick up a new sport to yeah. watch, and he picked soccer. And he said he... Uh, oh, my light died. I saw um, <laughs> 
And yeah, he picked up Chelsea. He just figured they would be the type of team to go with, and he's enjoyed it so far. And like he wants, he he wants to learn. He's not coming in here like thinking, "Oh, they're going to win everything." He's just open to learning about the game and yeah. wants to learn the history. And he's taking it from a that t- sort of standpoint. So it's it, I I always like when people get into the sport and it's new, and you see that that uh, fresh uh insight into a sport from their aspect so it's it's nice to see but that's funny from your friend thinking they're gonna come oh dude it was so annoying he just came in from nowhere he's like yeah i'm liverpool fan he's like oh yeah i used to watch them i used to play uh with them at on fifa and like in fifa 09 don't give a fuck who you played with on fifa and i don't care that doesn't give you a legitimate right some god-given right to be you know the world's biggest liverpool sucker I just, yeah. it, 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 I'm sorry, it, it doesn't make any sense. And if if you give me those types of stats after Liverpool hadn't won the league, of course they won last year, but before that it, it had been like fucking forever. So the, the, the possibility to repeat as well is so low because there's just, it's just so hard. There's so many games and it's just such a grueling schedule. You know, you don't see repeats in the in the Prem really, like you do uh, in the NBA and the uh, NFL. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to see if Liverpool can get it together and and, and finish towards the top this season. I I, necess- I don't necessarily see things getting all that much better until VVD gets back. <sighs> so we'll have to see. Your light's yeah. all fucked up, it seems. Yeah, my lights messed up. I was trying to plug in a charger for it, and then like I messed with my mic, and then my mic wasn't working while you're talking there, and then I just had to do it's a whole lot of bullshit. So okay, it's 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 no I big really, deal. I, re- I really just need like a setup upgrade. It's all right. I hear you. Um, okay, we will we will recap this last game, Tottenham Chelsea, and then quickly move through our predictions before leaving you guys. Um, okay, Tottenham nil, Chelsea one. The difference here was a Jorginho penalty nestled away in the 24th minute. Not a necessarily crazy game uh, in terms of chances. Two shots on target for Chelsea and the same for Tottenham. Possession somewhat even, although Chelsea did uh, tip the scale there. I think I think Chelsea looked solid. That is what I will say. They didn't look like you know anything to write home about, but they were certainly strong enough to to get the result here against this Tottenham team. Uh, Mourinho not happy with the result and it seems to me like Tottenham are slipping a little bit and you're right Harry Kane was was obviously the the catalyst for them yeah um, the Chelsea this Chelsea side with Tuchel Tuchel's the first Chelsea manager to keep a clean sheet in his first three matches at the club since Jose Mourinho started in his first stint back in 04 and this is the first time in Mourinho's history as a manager to ever lose back-to-back home matches so, I mean, this Chelsea side looks very, very good defensively, which is, I think, when you first come into a side as a new manager, that's what you want to focus on is keeping clean sheets so that you can get those results. You get one good chance and it goes in your favor. But they really, really need to push for more goals. I mean, they got that early penalty with Werner. I don't know what Eric Dyer was doing on the ground, um, just <laughs> kicking away at Werner, yeah. hacking at his legs. I don't know what he because Alderweireld was right there, and they they had plenty of opportunities to not let that happen. Yeah, but Chelsea capitalized. There were plenty of chances for them to score. There were so many times where 
Kovacic would pick up the ball in the middle and the middle of the field would just open. It'd be like the parting of the seas of Moses, bro. Yeah. He would just drive into that space. Werner, Pulisic, Mount, whoever would split those fullbacks, pull them wide, and Kovacic would be in and he just fucking kicked it wide. Like That's he wouldn't the even make like, a full chance. Yeah, like, they, we don't have that we don't have that driving force like a De Bruyne or like a Pogba yep. or a Bruno that is goal goal driven just has the nose to get in those areas and put them away like Kovacic isn't that type of player he's the guy to get the ball drive forward be the guy and then let it go like he's not the scorer yeah he's just that's just not how his that's not how he plays he's not goal oriented he's more creative and that's you're right that's that is just something that Chelsea are lacking maybe they need one of those attacking midfielder uh, type players, and I know you've said that a couple times now. They they are missing someone like De Bruyne or someone like uh, someone like Bruno. I think if you add that into that team, then Chelsea are like totally different. And I thought maybe Havertz would be that. He's he's of a similar stature as Pogba, and he has a similar skill set and ability. Although he is a little bit more attack focused, but. You saw you saw the way that Pogba played at at uh, Juve. They threw him forward sometimes, and he yeah. he can play as an attacking midfielder. And sometimes he used to do quite well. So I think if you see if you see Havertz um, develop a little bit, and hopefully he will. Hopefully you guys won't get rid of him. And if you do get rid of him, maybe Arsenal can get him for a cut rate because I think he'd do right. well there. But. Um, if you see him develop, I think that he could he could truly be one of those guys that that gets that done for you. Because I mean, if if you watched him play at Leverkusen, he's capable of some magnificent shit. I think we have too many star quality players. Me too. That I think that's all, the issue. They all can't get into this team, and they all can't shine. Yep. It's just, you have Werner pushed out wide, and then he slides in the middle. You have Mount playing at like a winger role, kind of like a shadow striker. Like I saw at times the front three, whoever was in there between Pulisic, Mount, Werner on the day, like they were interchanging, like whoever was in the middle would slide to the right and the other guy would fill in. But for the most part, Werner stayed on the left. But yeah, all three of those guys are not all three. Everybody just can't get a consistent run. They can't get consistent performances. There were at times where Mount, just forced it into Werner to score a goal to get it off his back. And it put even more pressure on him. He did have a good chance. I think Werner or Mount drilled into him in on goal. And then Aurier made a great challenge, but that was probably his best chance to score the game. But they all, they all just can't fit into the system. Yeah. I, I think that that's certainly a part of their issue. And if you look at at the successful Chelsea teams of of the older days, there is a lot of players. There is there is stars, but there is plenty of su- players that are just in the supporting cast. And I think that 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 is really just part of what has changed in the sport in general. Everybody wants to be a star. Everybody wants the massive contract. Everybody wants the shoe deal. That's just the way that things have changed in in sports in general. And and when you don't have those guys that are just there to be the supporting cast, then then sometimes you have some some ego ego problem, and it's hard to to decide who is going to get into that team on that that day. And you're going to see that with Tuchel start to like um, maybe experiment a little bit, or maybe you won't see that, and maybe he is confident with with the guys uh, that he's playing so far. I mean, 
they looked better this game than they did last week. So any improvement yeah. is good improvement. Yeah, it's just tough to see not all those guys get the chance to play in a game like this. But uh, like Ziyech didn't even make it; he didn't get in there, and yeah. that's the thing. Like he's somebody that played went on a deep run in the Champions League last year and was a crucial role for that IX team, and he done the same. I honestly think he should start. He on should the right. start. He's amazing. He he's he's in his prime. He's like twenty seven. He's like the oldest attacker we have, uh, not counting Giroud. He just gets the ball in the wing, he cuts it back, and then whips him in the back post, which would be perfect for Alonzo or Chilwell in there. Yeah. And even Werner there. Like, there's so many opportunities there where he puts Mount out there, and then he puts uh, Hudson Adoy. Yep. And Tuchel's found a real liking to Hudson Adoy because he adds something so much different compared to what Mount and Polisic have to offer. Those guys are like creative wingers, whereas Hudson Adoy just has pure speed. Yep. And can get in positions those guys can't. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. He's just trying to figure uh, the, the winning formula out. And he, I think he's starting to get there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. It, it's always good to see a competitive Chelsea. Uh, all right. Tomorrow at 7.30 a.m., Aston Villa takes on my club, Arsenal. Oh, I don't know. This is, uh, this is at Villa Park. I think Arsenal are, or Villa are probably favorited. So uh, I don't have the odds in front of me. Let me see if I can get them. Arsenal up. right now are plus one fifty five. Villa plus one seventy. Arsenal's also Arsenal are the favorite. That is interesting. So they're they're not really factoring in that loss against Wolves. I don't think. I think they are the better team. Yeah, it's going to be tough with Leno not in there. You have your Icelandic boy. Yeah, or, or are they going to play Matt? Are they going to? Because I know they signed Matt Ryan. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Runer probably. Runar Runerson. Yeah, you'll have him. No, no, David Luiz. So that's a blessing. Is Gabriel back? Yeah, he sh- he should be playing. You'll have him and Holding. Okay, that's yeah, okay. That's a decent center back partnership. I'm not necessarily worried about that, and that's going to reflect my choice here. I think that Arsenal actually beat this Villa team. Villa looked somewhat impotent against West Ham, and I think Arsenal actually, you know, are are probably right on par with the way that that West Ham are viewed in my mind. So. Uh, well, this season at least, not as a club in general. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to take Arsenal. I'm going to take Arsenal on the money line here. I, I like them. I can already tell you I'm looking at all these games. I hate this slate, bro. Uh, I have no it's idea. been so bad, dude. The, the like the, the parody has been so much. It's just been through the roof. I'm looking at this. My gut check immediately says... Uh, I'm even questioning my gut check. Oh, you fucking <laughs> That's know. Um, Ollie Watkins, like I said, he's in grid form. Jack Grealish on the left, matching up against Bellerin seems good. Bellerin fraud. I'm thinking matchups like right now. You got Ross Barkley in there going up against fucking Jaka and Partey. Oh, big yeah, fuck, big Tom gonna absolutely boss the midfield. Low scoring, definitely. Yeah, yeah, like a one nil, two nil. I don't think it's a draw. I just don't see a draw happening here. Both teams are too dynamic. I'm going to go Arsenal. Okay, so we're both on Arsenal. That's fantastic news. I love to hear that. Let's move on before Mac can change his mind. Next game, Burnley versus Brighton. I am taking Burnley. I think that they bounce back this week. My God. What? You don't think so? I'm just saying, like, we talked about how they play a very, very good Chelsea side, and then they play City. 
Yeah. They've only registered one shot on goal. Yeah, but this those is are good complete... teams. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying I I can, I'm just going through your logic. Yeah. And like now they're playing a Brighton side where they're definitely going to have more room to breathe. Yeah. They're going to have more time on the ball. But this Brighton side's pretty good on the road. If this was yeah. at Brighton, 100% I go Burnley, but I think this is a draw. Okay, I that's the only other thing I can see happening. I don't see Brighton winning this one. I think that they're going to come back down to earth after a after winning a game that they certainly weren't expected to win uh, versus Liverpool. I don't see them winning, but I can see this being a draw. Burnley win or draw is actually the pick that I would tell people to look for, and I think that the odds on that are actually probably pretty okay. But just for the sake of things, I'm going to say Burnley win. It'll only be like 1-0. That's always how they win. And Brighton leads the league in draws right now. They have nine. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, this could certainly be a draw. I think draw's a, a good shout. Uh, if you guys are betting, win or draw, if you can. Uh, You're back in Burnley, though? Yeah, yeah. How about you? You're going to go for draw? Yeah, I'm going to stick with the draw. Okay. Um, next game, Newcastle-Southampton. That one's tomorrow at 10, alongside the Burnley-Brighton game. I have to go to Southampton. Uh, really. They they, they are looking. They're gonna pop out, bro. They really need. They need an outlet right now after that that embarrassment, bro. They're gonna come out here hot. Well, they are gonna be missing Bednarik, and and he's a huge part of their their defense. No, we said in the pre-show that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It got revoked. He'll be in there. Okay, so never mind. Bednarik will be on the pitch. Um, yeah, that's even more more reason to go with Southampton. You're right. They're gonna bounce bounce out here. Um. You saw just how incompetent we, Newcastle were last week after going up yeah, 1-0. They always come out flat. Yeah. Um, do you think this is high scoring? I mean, Southampton, as of recently, give up a decent amount of goals. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Newcastle are kind of on the same wave. I think it could be. I think it could certainly be a high-scoring game. I'm I'm not gonna uh, negate the the idea that Newcastle could score here. I don't think it's a shutout, but I think Southampton are certainly the better team, and I think that they will win this. So we're both I on think- Southampton money line. This next one's pretty easy. We have Fulham matching up with West Ham. Uh, West Ham right now, three straight away wins. Uh, in David Moyes' career, his best is four straight away wins. Uh, back at Man United, I think he matches that record here against Fulham. Something is telling me I'm having a weird feeling. I'm having a Fulham, or I'm having a Sheffield feeling here. So uh-huh. I'm going to stick to West Ham. But if I, if I, if I somehow am alerting people that, you know, Fulham may have a chance here, and it happens. Please tell your friends about the show, okay? That's all I'm asking of you. That's it. Uh, I think for my own sake, though, I'm, I'm going to be betting on West Ham here. Like you said, Moyes pocketing Fulham. Uh, I think it happens again. Next game, going to be a really hard one to predict. I can see this going any of three ways. I can see it being a United win, an Everton win, or a draw. I'm going to let you go first here. I'm I'm still kind of contemplating this. I really don't know. I think Man U is going to control the game. They're going to have the possession. Um, 
Everton on the counterattack is going to be tricky. Yeah. With Richarlson, DCL, and I think James is going to be the the ultimate decider. It's ultimately going to be him versus Bruno in there. Who's going to create the more chances for their team? Yeah. And I think I'm going to go out and say after such a huge 9-0 win, they're going to come in with all the swag yeah, and confidence in the world at home. Uh, they're going to think they can cr- conquer anybody. But I'm going to take Everton here. I think, I think they can pull out an upset. I think they're going to bring them back to reality. We're talking about Luke Shaw being overrated. We're talking about... Paul Pogba being an Instagram player. Uh, Cavani's actually scoring, which doesn't happen. Um, I think Everton can win this. It's going to put them into that top four mix, potentially, depending on how other results go. But I think this is the time Everton's going to push up into that race for Europe, European football. Yeah. Oh, uh, look, it just looks like my camera is frozen. So that's really cool. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Dude, this episode has just been a fucking technical nightmare, huh? All right, well, if you're watching the video version, you're just getting to see a fucking video of my face right now. Sorry, guys. Uh, We'll run through these quick so you don't have to stare at my uh, fucking blank face. Um, I'm actually going to take United here for the sake of of difference between us, but also because I do think United are... are, um, more capable of of putting a ton of goals in that we we right. ha- we have seen that and I know I said earlier the nine nils not indicative of United's form and I think that that sentiment still rings true but I do think that that United are capable of scoring against good teams I think that they could score two or three against this Everton side I think it's a close one but uh, I'm I'm gonna take United here and you're gonna take Everton all right next game Tottenham versus West Brom. Oh, if Tottenham lose here against West Brom, they are in the depths. Uh, that being said, I do not think that they are going to lose to West Brom. I think that Tottenham win here, and I think West Brom continue their horrible, horrible slide. I think after this week, Harry Kane's going to be back. Yeah, yeah, he's expected back for the following match. So one more week of Sun struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just can't get, even against Brighton, they couldn't get many good chances. I know they played Bale. And they came out in their usual 4-3-3. And then against Chelsea, they came out in a 4-2-3-1. Mourinho won more structure. Yeah. I think he's going to go back to a 4-3-3 against West Brom. They're going to have more of the ball. Sam's going to want to park that shit. But with the amount of goals they give up a game, I think Tottenham win this thing. Not, Not easy, but I think they get the edge over West Brom. Okay. Uh, we're both on Tottenham. Next game, Wolves versus Leicester City. Wolves, after stealing three points last week versus Arsenal, do not win this game. Leicester continue their good form. Leicester win 2-0, in my opinion. I don't even think this game is in contention. I think that Leicester are going to easily win here. Uh, after looking good last week, I think that they continue that, and, and I'm confident in a Leicester City win here. Um... I do like Leicester. If I had to pick, I'd give them the edge. But I think Wolves getting that win was so much needed for their confidence and for Nuno as a manager to have going into this matchup against a very, very highly rated Leicester team. They are still without Jamie Vardy, which is a big boost for those Wolves defenders. Uh, I I think this is the time William Jose is going to get his debut goal. 
So I'm going to go with a draw here. I just, in my mind, I can't get through that Leicester is going to come out and ball out like Man City and Liverpool and Chelsea and these teams. I just don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's like the prestige of like them doing it year in, year out, finishing top four, top six, but I just don't see them getting the, the win here. So I'm going to go with a draw. Okay, fair enough. Next game, Liverpool-Man City, probably the game of the week. I think Man City United, or Man City United, how about that? I think Man City absolutely fucking hammer Liverpool into the ground here. Um, I think that they continue their unbeaten streak. There's not really anything that I've seen in City's performances that would lead me to say otherwise. I don't see any holes, really. Unfortunately, it's... It's it's tragic to say because I don't really want to see City win the league just because of their money, but that's what we're seeing here. There is no holes in their game, and Liverpool aren't even exploiting teams that do have holes in their game. So why would I expect them to win here? Uh, that's my logic, and and I'm confident in the Man City money line. Yeah, right now Man City's plus one ten, which is absolute robbery. You can yeah. get away with murder with that. So unreal, dude. But um. It's at Anfield, obviously. Of lately, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think the ultimate decider is that Liverpool defense and going up against its a methodical attack like City, with Gundogan, Bernardo Silva in there picking passes, Sterling, Jesus, Foden, Mares. They have so many options that are gonna fill into those little pockets and create a lot of chances. I don't know if Allison's gonna be healthy from being ill. Probably will, but we're gonna probably see Mane back. Salah, Firmino. I think this is, they're really going to be tested here, Man City. This is going to be a real big um, litmus test to see how good they really are and if they really are in it um, against the big sides because they've been walking over all the little teams lately. Uh, I think Thiago in the midfield is going to be very, very crucial to how Liverpool wins this game. He picks out so many great passes. Uh, every, he's been playing every week now for the past month, and his passing range is incredible. Yep. He's putting guys like Irigi into positions you never thought you'd see him in. So I think if Liverpool wants a chance in this game, he's going to have to ball out. But I do see Man City win this game. Yep, I uh, I do too. Okay. Um. Oh, something's burning downstairs or what? All right, let's close this out quickly. Sheffield United take on Chelsea. Uh, I'm on Chelsea here. They got a draw and then a win, and I think they continue the win here. Although we did, we were kind of singing Sheffield's praises earlier. Uh, I don't think they're good enough to beat the Chelsea side, who are experiencing a resurgence because of their new hiring. Uh, Chelsea money line, I am extremely confident in. I think out of our last three, four matches. I think this is going to be the toughest one because of the form Sheffield's in right now and Chris Wilder with the boys, like they're so tight and that union in the back's very, very, very tough to break down. So it's going to be low scoring, obviously. And I, I'm going to have to go with Chelsea here because I said once they start pulling results, I'm going to go with them again. So I will take Chelsea, but I can definitely see this thing being a draw. So, as of right now, it's going to be Chelsea money line for me. Okay. Um, and then the last game, Leeds United, Crystal Palace. This could be a good game. This could be a game that goes either way. Um, I think Leeds won the first matchup between between these teams this year. Uh, and I'm going to take them again. I think that they win again. I think that after that performance versus Everton, 
Uh, they're going to be mad that they didn't get the win because I think they deserved it. And I think they will get a deserved win versus this Palace team. Uh, I'm looking at this head-to-head, and it's saying the last time these guys played, Palace won 4-1. So it was, it was very shocking. I mean, you had Eze getting on the score sheet, IU, and there was even an own goal. This was like a bad result for Leeds, but you're thinking recent form and all that. Crystal Palace are in decent form, whereas Leeds are kind of on the same level, but we, you still have to remember Leeds are terrible on defense. Yeah, they are. You're right. They, so this is going to be a very, very high-scoring game, I think, with Eze and Zaha. And we know Leeds are very good, too, with Bamford, and Rafinha's been popping up as well. Um, they have a good support cast for those guys. So high-scoring game, but I think this ultimately ends in a draw. Okay. All right. That's fair. We have uh we have a couple different uh choices here, but I think mostly we uh we kinda are similar. Um that that uh caps off the episode for us guys. Another hour and twenty. These episodes are getting a little longer, you get a little more insight, they're a little bit more uh well written. I know Matt goes heavy on the notes. So uh, I didn't I didn't do anything today because I knew it'd be like two hours. I, I save I'm gonna save those for like Mondays. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, so thank you guys, as always, for listening. Sorry if you're watching the video version and you just had to look at my fucking staring face. Um, for some reason, my, my, uh, camera decided to just, like, freeze. And if I unplug it, then it's just going to be black screen. So I just let it be. Um, but thanks anyway for, uh, for dealing with the technical difficulties, for dealing with us, for watching the show. If you guys can, please share with, uh, with the folks that you think would enjoy our show. Make sure to keep up with our content on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and then make sure you watch our show on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now YouTube. Uh, that's it for me, Matt. Anything from you? Nope. Uh, ditto to whatever every, everything Evan said. I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. And check me out on Monday for Trips M. Uh, depending on how Evan's feeling with his schoolwork, I'm sure he'll try to put something out for Wake Up Wednesday. But yep. If not, we'll see you next Friday. All right, guys, take care.